Proudly family owned and operated since 1989. statetransport.com.au The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. Oh, it's got a facelift. I'd say it needed it, but it's got one. Welcome to the Captain's Run on a Friday morning. Great to have your company. So out of the chaos comes the calm. And just hang on a wee minute, but we might have an Australia-India test that goes for more than three days here. In fact, watching last night, it was like this Border Gavaskar series had been picked up and plonked down in another part of the world. Things were very different. In fact, very different even before a ball was bowled in the vast Narendra Modi Stadium. The man the world's biggest ground is named after, the Prime Minister of India, paraded around the boundary with our own Anthony Albanese in, how would you describe it? India's answer to Angry Anderson's Batmobile, perhaps? Both polis positioned themselves next to the teams for the national anthems. And if the third test represented a good coin toss to lose for Steve Smith, this was a very good one to win because we had to do a double take, didn't we? When the cameras panned over the wicket, there was grass on it. Batting first, the Aussies slowly drained the life out of India on a day where the match started with a massive crowd and quickly fizzled fizzled out to a small one. I mean, did we notice this? Totally guessing here. But it looked like, what do you reckon, 80,000 for the first ball and maybe 18,000 by the time we got to the second session. Those who remain, though, saw Australia slowly take control en route to four for 255 at Stumps in their quest to tie this series 2-2 and actually become the first team to avoid defeat in a test series on Indian soil since England won over there in 2012. Now, Travis Head was inexplicably dropped by a bar out behind the stumps on seven, but he wasn't dropped at mid-on on 32. Manus, he never looked comfortable, eventually played on to Shami, stuck on the crease and then stuck back in the pavilion for three. Smith's very patient stay ended on 38. He was bowled by Jadeja. Hanscom cleaned up by Shami. But in keeping with the calm of this opening day in Ahmedabad, the Aussies navigated the second session, wait for it, without the loss of a single wicket. The first wicketless session of this series. Cam Green dug in and he got going late. In fact, the Aussies went at six and over after the home side took the new ball and Green, for his part, is unbeaten at the crease on 49. But the day belonged to Usman Khawaja, who brought up his maiden century against India in the final over of the day. What a performance. And one the left-hander deemed as right up there with his most special among his 14 career centuries. He carried the drinks in India for eight tests before he got a chance in that part of the world. He's been on two tours to India before. He was told he couldn't play against spin, couldn't play over there, and yet now... With this second coming, he plays with a calm and, I guess, a sereneness that is so impressive under the furnace that is Test cricket in India. And I say good on him. Shami runs in to Usman Kwaja, and Kwaja clips it away, and there it is! He reaches his 14th century for Australia with a perfectly struck boundary, a languid shot as befits a fantastic performance from a truly brilliant cricketer. Ever since he's moved to the top of the order, well, Australia have found a superstar opener. He raises his bat. He is in delight. He's been hugged by Cameron Green. I don't think I've smiled so much when getting a century before. I really don't. I didn't feel, didn't feel like I've ever smiled that much after getting a century. And there was emotion. It was just, I've been on two tours here before, carried the drinks for eight test matches before I got a chance here. Um, you know, throughout the middle of my career, I got told I couldn't play against spin, hence why I never got an opportunity to play in India. Got an opportunity to play in white ball cricket a few years ago as man series, and I've got an opportunity again here at the red ball. Um, it was just nice to go out there and tick off 100 in India, which was something 
if you asked me five years ago, if you told me that, I'd say, you're crazy. <laughs> I haven't played a test match there in eight games. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of emotion. Um, I just never expected this to happen. You've got to love the Usman Khawaja journey. What did you make of it yesterday? Clear skies, big stands, bit of grass on the pitch. A pitch, though, that was significantly easier to bat on. But thank goodness we give our athletes a second chance at times anyway, because life lessons are worth so much, I reckon. There's, a, as I said, a, a serenity and a composure and a freedom about Usman Khawaja. This was his third half century in this series. one 736 736 that is the number. The 40 Wings temper text is 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. And that open line is for EFS. They deliver simple freight solutions. Great to have your company on the captain's run for state transport. Our people are your solution. You know what, though? After all that, I think I prefer the volatility of the first three tests. The tension was unbearable at times earlier in this series. And I... I think I miss it already. I miss hanging on every ball. I miss the ball terrorising the bat and teams scrapping and fighting and clawing for everything. For all the pitch debate, and in fact, further to that, the ICC's poor rating from the third test, it was it was like a guilty pleasure as a cricket viewer. And I, I miss it. As Mike says off the 40 Wings temper, and oh so boring compared to the previous tests. You can have your say on that too. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Be careful what you wish for. Perhaps footy is coming this time next week. Here on the captain's run, we'll be dissecting the Richmond Carlton season opener. It is Carlton membership day here, by the way. You can call one three hundred Carlton right now to take advantage of their SEN exclusive membership offer. Uh, big day at the AFL yesterday. Captain's Day. Gil McLaughlin and Co had breakfast with the skippers before meeting with the CEOs and the presidents leading into a gala season launch last night. A relatively calm AFL catch up with club bosses I'm told. Now Tassie's on hold until May, we know that. Federal budget, CBA they're working away on. The Hawthorne investigation was discussed at some level, so too was Gather Round and the Marvel Stadium upgrade. Now there's a lot of different information out there when it comes to Gillan McLaughlin's future and his eventual replacement. But According to the clubs I spoke to last night, and that's all I can go on, and some of those were in the room, AFL chairman Richard Gorda told the presidents that Gill would still be vacating the CEO chair after next month's gather round, as planned, despite murmurs of an extension, and um, according to some, maybe even an offer and an invitation to stay on. Again, those who I spoke to said the league had told the presidents there were still as many as five live candidates to take the CEO job. Now, earlier, I was down at the Captain's Day at Marvel Stadium. Now, we got 18 great captains this year. It was great to catch up with a lot of them. Jack Steele, I thought, spoke really well. I thought in the wake of that Coach's Box audio blunder we reported this week, he was honest enough to say he was shocked and disappointed and maybe even a little worried that rival clubs had got an insight into St Kilda's inner workings and their game plan rather than any offensive comments made towards players by the coaches themselves. Now, Ross Lyon spoke to the entire group, which Steele was very big on and thankful for. Some were spoken to individually and, in fact, steered through the transcript of those comments in the coach's box. Now, that transcript is said to be, you know, profanity-laden, but nothing that would really embarrass the club or expose it tactically, supposedly, anyway. And credit to St Kilda and Lyon for how they handled it, I think. This is Summer Jack Steele yesterday down at the Captain's Day. It was quite disappointing, really, um, that, that it's happened, but it was a mistake. It was an honest mistake from, from our club and some of the people involved. But, um, yeah, you can't really do much about it now. Um, Ross addressed it to the playing group yesterday afternoon before it all came out, which, um, which, we, which we, you know, liked um, from, from Ross to get on the front foot and just accept and, um, you know, what's happened and, and tell us exactly what's happened was, um, was pretty important uh, for me as a player. So. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, why did he choose to do that, do you think, the coach? Oh, I think it's... Um, 
it's never great to hear things come out that isn't, you know, from your club and, and your coach. So, um, you know, in, in the past, things like things like this might have happened where we found about, you know, a certain situation on social media and it's not great to hear as a player or a captain of the club, um, you know, that your, your mum or your, your best mate's hearing stuff before you do. So, um, yeah, I, th- I thought um, from our coach to come out and do that as a player was, was awesome. So we can draw a line under that now, um, St Kilda's Coaches Box Audio, unless, of course, it sees the light of day in the future. Who knows whether that will happen or not, but well dealt with by the Saints. Now, that was the serious stuff, but I didn't mind the SEN Digital guys prowling the boundary yesterday with some left-field questions. Now, one of them was, who would you recruit to your club? Now, you're about to hear, in order, Paddy Dangerfield, Paddy Cripps, Max Gordon, Jordan Dawson, The Bont, Luke McDonald, Tom Jonas, Luke Parker, and Toby Nankervis. And keep an ear out at the end for the take of Brisbane's co-captain, Lockie Neal. Well, Darcy Neal would be pretty good. He'd be pretty handy, so I'll stick with him. But I wouldn't mind. There's a few here that are make us better. Big Maxi. Love a, love a big ruck when he gets his hand on it. We've got, we got a few anyway, but I reckon Maxi uh, does a fair few good things around the ground. I mean, I love rucks, so let's get Nank. Let's get Witsy. Let's just get a team of rucks. Let's go four. Let's go five. Let's get a couple on the wing. I'll probably go from my old team. I reckon um, Callum Mills, good mate of mine, and he's coming to the peak of his powers as well, so it'd be good to have him in the mid. Sis is all right. Sis goes all right. We're probably looking for um, some intercept sort of defenders. We always love those, so he's just standing over there. He'd be pretty handy. Oh, Jack Billings, my best mate. Just look at the Bont. He's one that um, you'd love to have in your team. Dusty Martin, um, Clutch, so either of those. Wouldn't mind Toby Nankervis back. I love the way Nick Nat plays. I know he'd probably take my spot if he did that, but yeah, he's probably my someone I love watching him play and just the physicality he brings and the impact he'd have at the game, so I'm going to say him. We don't need anyone else. Um... <laughs> Good on him, Lockie Deal, having a laugh at the end. What? We don't need anybody else. We're chock a block. We're set and forget. We've got all the pieces. Hey, the Players' Championship's underway in Florida at the moment. American Chad. Ramey has fired an 8-under-64 to take a first-round lead. Colin Morikawa hot on his heels at 7-under. Minwoo Lee, the pick of the Aussies, 4-under. Cam Davis, 3-under. Jason Day, just through 16 now, 2-under. Rory McIlroy's had an absolute shocker. Finished with a 4-over-76. And what about that? We say the same thing every time, but what about that iconic island hole, the 17th there at TPC Sawgrass? Talk about... An intimidating shot and hole. I'd need a sack of golf balls to get through that one. Um, if you're watching that, let us know. Jason Day, in fact, uh, incidentally, he's just found himself on the 17th now and he's about to tee off. Uh, love your text today off the 40 Wings Temper, 0433981116. I was struck by the crowd at the cricket last night. Now, this is Ben's take in Adelaide. Modi filled stadium with his supporters. They soon left and only cricket fans were left. The crowd will be epic on the weekend. Azak in Preston, I thought the same read the crowd, but it turns out they're all moving under the shade due to the blistering sun. That's Zark's take. Under the roof, it was still packed. And Usman Khawaja, your thoughts on that? Uzi, the most runs on the planet, Adam says, since his recall in January last year. 1,500 runs at an average of around 70. Uh, what an incredible story and journey it has been for Usman Khawaja. Uh, Andrew is in Nidra. He's been waiting on the EFS open line very patiently. Andrew, what was your takeaway from the first day of the cricket last night? Well, the cricket was uh, uh, exceptionally for ba- uh, set up for good batting. Mm. And I, my theory, uh, conspiracy theory, of course, is the Indian to set up the wicket for a draw. And it would suit them for a draw for a number of reasons. Mm. It, would take the pressure, it would take the pressure off them in relation to the criticism of the other the wickets. 
It also draws the series, which they they, they can say they still hold the um, the Gavester um, Border Cup, and I think it would help them. Would that help them also for the um, the world the world the world championship? Gee, so they can't win. They've produced absolute minefields, Andrew, and now we're accusing them of, of creating a, a ball draw pitch, perhaps. Oh, maybe we need to peel back. I didn't get a look at it. What, what did the other wicket look like when they pulled the covers back on that? Was that an absolute desert? Are we, have we got a line of sight on that one? No, I haven't. But the, the, my issue would be that it just seemed very odd. Very odd indeed. Certainly uh, jumps, it, it, jumps out as massively different from what we've seen pro- previously, of course. Yes, and that's that's what I'm saying. I'm saying mm. it does it. It just it, it'll be interesting to see when they bat and what score we get. Then yeah. we can make a final conclusion on it. Now, if Australia gets 500 runs, and then the the Indians come in and do the same, well, it's a draw. So, um, and then it'll be that'll be the end of the story. It has been set up. Well, Andrew, just to give India a bit of an out here, I know Rohit Sharma's, in fact, he was on the record as saying they were toying with the idea of producing a very different wicket for this test with the World Test Championship final in mind. They wanted to potentially create a more seam-friendly wicket to prepare for, well, better prepare for the conditions that would await them over at the Oval. So perhaps they've ended up going down that path. I know Australia's victory in the third test perhaps complicated that, um, you know, given they wanted to potentially ram home their advantage uh, with the turn. But this is far from a raging turner. Who knows where it'll go in the next four days? Um, but it's one to watch. And I'm with you. It certainly jumped off the page when they when they got going on it. Andrew, appreciate it. Off the text, Rich in Caulfield. I love the way Kawaja has proved his point with the bat this series, but also had a great dig at those who showed him no faith in that press conference. Well-deserved Usman. And this one. Sam, do you think the media was sucked into Modi's propaganda machine by predicting 110,000 people with less than half of that attending? It was a magnificent sight, though, this stadium. An absolute cathedral. The problem with these things is when uh, the crowd drains out of them, that's not the greatest uh, spectacle. But I was struck by the size and scope of that stadium last night. Hey, on the show today, on this Carlton Membership Day here at SEN, mention it with Kane and Kingy, but we've got Carlton's Adam Chera ahead of us. Uh, year number two at Icon Park for the former Fremantle on baller. So we'll get uh, Adam Cherry to set the scene, I guess, on 2023 from an individual perspective from him and also the team as well, given the Blues will be a fascinating topic of conversation throughout this season. We've got former Collingwood, former Giant and former and, and actually current Supercoach Ambassador. He Shaw is going to join us as well. Victorian quick Mitch Perry is back with a bang. And as of yesterday en route to the Australia A Tour of New Zealand. So we'll catch up with the Bush Rangers. Well, I was going to call him bowler, but he might even be an all-rounder at this uh, at this rate, doing some great things with the bat as well. Hey, Mitch Robinson's going to join us from the top end. There's some footy to discuss with Mitch, who's up in Darwin at the moment, but he's passionate about his boxing, and like many of us, he's eagerly anticipating the Zoo Harrison showdown, which finally hits in Sydney, Kudos Bank Arena this Sunday night. Andy Harper will join us, all things world football. Miles Fitzner, all things racing as well with the Magic Man. Carlton Membership Day, you can give them a buzz, one three hundred carlton to take advantage of their SEN-exclusive membership offer. You can become a three-game Blues member, and the club will double your access to six games, and that is for just 99 bucks. In fact, just on the subject of the Blues, I've been given a little prize here left over from the boys on Brecky, it is a Carlton merchandise pack. It includes a membership scarf for 23, a cap and a six-game membership, all for nothing. Um, so we'll pick a text, we'll pick a call, and we'll give that uh, merchandise pack away today. We're off and running here on the Captain's Run. It's for state transport. Our people are your solution. Jungle Boogie, Jungle Boogie. Get it on.
Oh, we'll get there, won't we? Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Don't worry, the facelift will become complete shortly. (laughs) We'll get it right with Jungle Boogie. We're all in on it, don't worry. And the transition, hopefully, by this time next week, will be complete. Hey, Ross is texting. The pictures like the MCG deck of a few years ago, a slow, low road on Black Mary Creek soil. Andrew is correct. The draw is the best result for India, says Ross. But, Ross, I'm not sure it is. So... If they, if they win India, they're through to the World Test Final. That's what they want to do. That's guaranteed. Now, if they draw or lose this test, and uh, Sri Lanka can take their spot if they sweep New Zealand 2-0. Now, that test series is just uh, underway, but Sri Lanka, for their part, uh, just over 80 overs bowled in their first innings. They're on their way to a pretty solid first inning score as well. The visitors are 7 for 326 over there. So Sri Lanka need to clean sweep New Zealand, which will be a mighty ask, it must be said. But India will leave the door open for them to take that final spot against Australia at the Oval if they don't claim a victory here. So it means a fair bit to India as well. Um, but a lot of you noting the difference in the Oval and the pitch. I'll read those texts out in a moment because Raf's called in from Meadow Heights. He wants to talk about the AFL season opener, which is roaring up on us pretty quickly. March 16 at the G between the Tigers and the Blues. G'day, Raf. Morning, Sam. How are you, buddy? I'm well, mate. I'm just... Mate, I'm a little frustrated. Can't get tickets to this game, right? Now I can't support. I want to go to the game. Can't get tickets. Last year, it was a sellout. 76,000 people rocked up. Now, I'm a little confused in a dictionary. Sold, sold out means sold out. 24,000 seats extra. This AFL has to do something about it. It's getting annoying and frustrating. I can't get tickets to a game that probably 80,000 people will rock up to. Are you a member, Raf? No, I'm, I tried to. I'm waiting for a personal seat member, but no, I'm not sure. I'm just trying to get a general membership. Well, this is obviously, people would say, the best way to guarantee a seat, of course. Now, I'm not privy to the intimate structure and breakdown of tickets at uh, at games, but obviously would have been deemed a sellout via GA, general admission. Um, if you're a member, of course, you would have had a seat. Um, look, Raf, have you already gone down the path of purchasing a membership or, or, or not? Because I might have something for you if you haven't. Well, I'm not sure. No, I haven't. All right. Well, hang on the line, Raf, because I want you to get to this game. Um, and as I said, I've got this prize and it's burning a hole in my pocket. So hang on the line. Ross will sort you out. It's a Carlton merchandise pack. It includes a scarf for this year, a cap, but it also includes, importantly for you, a six-game membership. Uh, reminder, you can become a three-game Carlton member and the club will double your access to six games for just 99 bucks. Thanks for calling in, Raf. Appreciate it. It is Carlton Membership Day here at SEN. So happy to sling you that merchandise pack. Uh, off the text... Um, gee, Sammy, you're right. Everyone wants to pot India's pitch preparation all series. They had to play on it too, and winning or losing the toss could easily leave them in a tough situation. At the same time, these people pot the Aussies for their terrible performance. Which one is it? That is from Ron off uh, the 40 Winks temper. Mike, the whole venue is different. There's even grass in the outfield. And Sammy from Norlane's onto it. Sri Lanka are posting a very handy first inning score against New Zealand. This could get interesting. Now, early days over there and um, New Zealand, what a performance that was against England the other day. Um, so they're going to take some... It's hard to see Sri Lanka rolling New Zealand 2-0 in that series. But hey, all chips are on the table. There's plenty to play for. And this World Test Championship final, the teams are invested. India won it. Australia are there. Sri Lanka might just make it interesting if India can't seal the deal on this wicket. So I'm not necessarily buying in to uh, to the to the talk um, and the conspiracy theory that India have directly uh, doctored a pitch to make it play out for a draw. They might have done it to make it a bit more seam friendly to prepare for the World Test final. Can't speak to that, but uh, 
I'm not sure if um, if they've done it to, to secure a draw over the course of five days. And there's a long way to go in this match. Just two solid first-inning scores doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be headed for a draw. Uh, Jared's in uh, Creswick. Jared, welcome. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you going? I'm well. you got uh, an update for us on ticketing at the footy. You might be able to educate me. Not not really an update, mate, but it's, a, it's an, uh, a situation that I was in last year. So we're St Kilda members. So the first game of last year, we wanted to uh, guarantee that we had a seat. We, we, we come from um, regional Victoria, so it's a bit of a trip. So although you've got a membership, it doesn't guarantee you a seat. So we tried to get reserve seating. You can pay an extra, back then it was an extra $15, mm. and you got a reserve seat on the back of your club membership. But it was sold out. We could not get tickets. And again, it was the same thing last year. I don't think 80,000 turned up to the St Kilda Collingwood game. Uh, and that was at Marvel. It's a, it's a real frustration that um, these sold-out games, even though you are a member... We, for love nor money, couldn't buy ourselves a uh, reserve seat. Gee, sorry to hear that, Jared. I, I can't really, as I said, I'm not qualified to shed any any light on that. And I suppose that what makes it difficult is that every club's different. And the way they structure their membership packages is wildly different uh, as well. But uh, sorry to hear you couldn't snare a seat. Long season, though, of course, isn't it? And um, we're only talking round one, albeit the anticipation for it is absolutely huge. Um, off the text, someone just asking me here, um, uh, morning, uh, just a quick question. When are the clubs required to update their injury listings? Jared in Cranbourne West. Jared, I'm not sure they are, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure of the, the mandate there. Even if there is one from the AFL, it would be loosely applied and adhered to. And, and some clubs do it more often than others. And it is um, kept under um, pretty... Pretty tightly held this time of the year as well with, with players uh, coming and going and, and little injury setbacks over the preseason as well. David, uh, Sam, did you chat or interview to Darcy Moore yesterday? What were your thoughts on his first time on AFL Captain's Day? I did not speak to Darcy, David. I did see him in passing quickly. All the first-time captains, and there was nine of them there yesterday. It's been an unbelievable um, period of change when it comes to our on-field captains. Um they all have the same look. It's a big day for them. They are cooked by the end of it, and they've got to answer the same question a hundred times over. There's a breakfast, there's a lunch, there's photos, there's videos, there's promotional stuff. So there is a lot for the the captains to do on the day. And he did have as good as he is, Darcy. That look of him was. Oof, I think he needed a bex and a bit of a lie down. Uh, we've got the headlines coming up with Matt Donald. He's in the newsroom today. We're not too far away. At the other side of it, we're going to catch up with Carlton midfielder Adam Chera on this Carlton membership day right here on SEN. Well, it does feel as though a lot of what the Blues have been building for so long on and off the field has reached something of a moment of truth this year. And this man will play a big part in the fortunes of Michael Voss's side in 2023. His name is Adam Chera. Good morning, Adam, and welcome to SEN. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, with what sort of excitement do you approach this new season? Uh, a lot of excitement. I mean, um, there's been a lot of hunger in this group, especially how last year ended. So uh, it's been a hard and, and long pre-season, but uh, we're all itching to get out there and uh, get stuck back into it. Um, so, yeah, it's very exciting. So all the work, I mean, all the work's been done. Is this that awkward, fidgety, hard-to-sit-still twilight zone sort of thing where we're, we're at the other side of the practice games and counting down to round one? It must be a strange time as a player. Uh, a little bit. I mean, round one's always got a lot of anticipation um, and a bit of a buzz around it. But um, to us, it's just it's just another game. So um, we just pro- pro- focus on our process and, and what we can control and um, it'll eventually come around. I did note that you had a very good uh, looking off season. I have to say, Amsterdam did I see, Anfield, Monaco, France, Italy, nice little break. 
Yeah, yeah, got away. Got away, which was nice. Um, <laughs> first time in a few years due to COVID, so yep. had to make the most of it. Saw a few soccer games too. I see Anfield has to be on the bucket list for, not sure if you've been there before, but I guess sporting cathedrals, what was that like? Yeah, it was amazing, yeah. Definitely was on my bucket list. Um, big Liverpool fan, so um, yeah, we... We lost, unfortunately, but um, just the atmosphere just didn't, didn't disappoint at all. Definitely you, going back. Yeah. Have you been healthy, Adam? I mean, did you need any sort of postseason work at all? Um, no, I've been healthy. I, I needed a probably a bit of a longer rest at the end of the season um, just to fully recover from a couple of things going on from last year. I missed some games with a with a hammy and an adductor, so um, I probably just needed, yeah, Bit of a longer rest and just some extra rehab and strengthening at the start of pre-season um, just to get my body right. But the last couple of months have been really solid and I've had, had no hiccups. So uh, fingers crossed we keep it that way. Yeah. Just on the adductor, I mean, was I know obviously you had it last year and you missed a game or two with it. Was that something you carried a bit throughout the year, even when you were playing Adam? I know don't want you to give away state secrets, but given it was last year, was that something that you had to, to deal with throughout 2022? Um. Oh, no, not too much. No, my doctor was more just for that week. Um, I was probably more like Hammy was just probably managing at times, but mm. um, it was at a level it was good enough to play. It was, um, it was just something I had to manage myself and just be real professional and, um, you know, exact in my recovery, um, which I try to be. So, um, yeah, there's always people out there carrying things. And um, once you're out across the white line, though, you're not thinking about anything really, just the game. Yeah, of course. And now at, at, what, the 10th of March, completely free of all that, I'd imagine, and, and cherry ripe, as they say, and ready to go? Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. It'd, we don't want to be carrying anything into the start of the season. It's a long season, so <laughs> Indeed. Um, I'm feeling good and ready to go. So I guess there's three types of players in, in our game that tend to attract the most scrutiny. I mean, there's those on the big contracts, there's those who are high draft picks, and there's those who change clubs. I mean, how do you cope with expectations and, I guess, scrutiny? I'm given, I mean, you tick at least a couple of those boxes. How did you deal with it in your first year at Carlton? Um, well, to me, I just think about what, I, what, I'm, what my teammates and my coaches need for me. Um, they're the expectations I look at. I'm, I don't look externally. Um, as long as I'm playing my role, working hard every day, trying to get better, um, and trying to be a good teammate, that's all I really care about. So, um, obviously, yeah, those, those three things are becoming expectations, but uh, I just got to focus on what I can control and mm. um, being valued by my teammates and coaches. So, um, yeah, that's how that's how I look at it. So just you internally, obviously it was a high-profile move, and we are going back away here, but your first year at Carlton, I mean, we're all human at the end of the day. What what level of satisfaction did you have personally on, on your first year in, in Navy Blue, and I suppose how do you how do you going into the second? Uh, it was a year of growth to me. I mean, new club, trying to, a lot of changes, so um, I just wanted to earn the respect and um, try and fit in as quickly as possible and um, really try and nail my role for the team, so... Um, yeah, for me, there's always going to be that level of unsatis- unsatisfaction and hunger, which I always try and make sure I have anyway. So mm. um, I'm, it was a big year of learning and growth for me. Um, I, I thought personally I, I can be more consistent um, in my production, and that's just what I'm trying to achieve you know, every day when I go to work, just trying to get better um, and just keep you know being a great teammate and trying to nail my role for the team for what they need. 
We do ask a lot of our midfielders. I mean, you got to win the ball, you got to defend the ball, you got to kick goals. So, and we do spend a lot of time talking about. I think, what players don't do well rather than what they do do well. So I do ask this with all of that in the background, but would you like to kick more goals? I mean, is that something that you that you would like to do this year? I know you've never been a noted goal kicker from, from midfield, but is that something you, w- you would like to do at the end of the day? Um, oh, I'd like to you know, finish my work when I get the opportunities, but um, I'm, I'm naturally more of a defensive midfielder, so mm. um, I'm not going out on game day. You know, focusing on goals, I'm you know trying to support the back line, um, trying to get my good fold back patterns and um, be a be a strong defensive midfielder for our team. So that's where I feel like my role is valued um, within the team. And you know, we have other midfielders that get forward hard and um, impact the scoreboard, and that's one of their strengths. But um, yeah, it's probably not a big part of my role to be honest. Just on the team, obviously a brutal way to end last season. I mean, how long did it sit with you, if that long at all? And and what have been the key pillars of this preparation as a collective? You know, on the field with the things you know the side needs to improve, and also off it with, with I guess the key messages that the coaches want you to adopt. Um, yeah, obviously it sat with me for a, for a fair few weeks. Getting away was nice to get away from it, but um, we addressed it well, a couple of day, a couple of days after. So. Um, you know, we wanted to learn from the moment. Um, obviously, a lot we did right, we just didn't finish our work. So, um, coming back into the pre-season, I think the boys have sort of let it like the fire in the belly. And, um, it's always, you know, we know that we're good enough, just got to keep adding layers to our, to our game and just keep working hard and um, earn a right to, to be winning those games. So, um I guess the message in this whole preseason is just to keep eight miles to our game and it's not going to be given to us. Just come in, work hard and, um, yeah, earn the right, I guess. We're speaking to Carlton midfielder Adam Chera. And Adam, I suppose the ability to close out those games, those close games from winning positions, I mean, has that been addressed and practised in a structural sense out in the middle of Icon Park or has it been more of a mental shift? It's been both, to be honest. I mean, we work on all aspects, um, on-field, off-field. Um, physical and mental so um, you know there's the situational awareness in those times and then just executing game plan and structure in the high pressure moments and I think mean, I thought every team's you know working on those because you know the game is getting closer and closer so um, we've definitely yeah attacked that area hard and um, really seen some growth in it so um, yeah I think the boys have handled that well. Is that where the improvement comes from, do you think? I mean, is that the obvious area that the, the team can get, can get a boost from or is it other areas where you think you might be able to take some strides this year? I think it's partly, but um, you know, overall it's trying to add layers and to, our, to our game and um, really build our strong contested footy, which is what, what we, um, you know, we, like, we trust each week and uh, what we build our game on. So, um, yeah, I guess that's a big one for us. I know you're not the coach and you don't have the, the magnet board in front of you, but you are out there on the field. M- Mackay, Kerno, De Koning, Pitnet, Silvani, do they all fit in? Uh, I hope so, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not bossy. I don't have the magnets, but um, they've all had good pre-seasons and um, I guess I'll find out when you find out. So. Yep, yep. <laughs> The, yeah. the Harry Mackay snap, I'm not sure if I'm imagining this. So just watching the practice games, it appeared anyway as though he was happy to use, I guess, the traditional drop punt a little bit more often as opposed to his, his trademark snap. Is he, has he put it away a little bit, Adam, do you know? Um, 
I'm not sure. I still see the snap every now and then. Right. Um, I don't really mind what he uses as long as it's going in. Um, but yeah, uh, Hatch and I think he mixes it up depending where he is. But um, as long as they're going straight. How's Sam Walsh coming along? I mean, obviously a lot of um, anticipation and hope that he can get back sooner rather than later. You know the man. You'd know how hard he, he's pushing. What's realistic, do you reckon, and, and what's he hoping for, you know, a round return-wise? Um, I don't think there's an exact round he's been given, but um, he's you know, working extremely hard at the moment and looking good, but um, yeah, they're not going to rush him. Um, when he's ready, he'll be ready, but hopefully... Um, yeah, he'll be back soon, but I don't, I don't have an exact time frame for yeah. you. And you've got, I guess, a few guys who have just been looking to get a f- bit more work in. I know you had a VFL practice match last night, so Mitch McGovern got through and Jack Martin as well, and, and maybe Owies and Pitnet played in that as well. So you've got a, a relatively clean bill of health. Yeah, which is good. So, um, you know, we try and build our resilience as a team, and you know, the more blokes out of the park, the better we'll be. Um, but yeah, some guys got some minutes last night, and it looks really good, so... Um, it's really good for them. There is one new guy we've seen out on the park a bit. His name's Ollie Hollands, obviously the club's first pick in last year's draft at, I think, pick 11. Have you been impressed by him? Yeah, extremely impressed. Ollie's an elite, elite runner. Um, works really hard and uh, has a really good skill set. So um, he's had a great start to the, had a great preseason and a great start to the year in his practice matches. And uh, yeah, hopefully we see a fair bit of him this year. Yeah, and you've got Cowan and Sincotta as well. So there's, there's some fresh faces coming through, which is which is always good also. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we've been happy to think we have some strong depth um, in there as well. And um, the fact that we have so many young players coming up and getting games already, uh, it's great to see. It's great for their development. What have you made, obviously, from afar of uh, Richmond's off-season? They look to have um, added some depth in the midfield and, and plugged a few holes they wanted to do. What, what do you think of the, the threat that Richmond might possess uh, come next Thursday? Yeah, Richmond's a very good team. They have been for a few years now and they've obviously added um, a couple, couple more mids inside and um, Hopper and Taranto. And, um, yeah, it offers a bit of a different look compared to last year. Um, but, yeah, for us, it's... You know, we don't change our process. It's going to be a hot, contested game of footy, and uh, we just got to be ready for that. So um, they'll, be, they'll come strong, as always, I reckon. Just with your engine room, Adam, like obviously two very different ruckmen you've got there in, in Tom DeConing and obviously Mark Pitnett, who I imagine you would say bring their own different strengths. But is it a, a great position for the club to have, to have two quality ruckmen, but two that bring totally different, um, I guess, attributes to that centre, centre bounce? Yeah, definitely. Um, as you said, they're, they're physically quite different and they have different strengths. Um, but yeah, the beauty of it, beauty of it, they also work together a lot um, with Cruiser and you know, they help each other, they help each other develop. Um, one of their weaknesses might be their own strengths. So, um, they're always willing to help and offer their opinions and uh, they're just making it sound better. So uh, that's better for us. And then on game day, um, yeah, you got two really strong options, which is one of our strengths. Adam, really appreciate your time this morning, mate, on Carlton Membership Day. Much appreciated. Uh, best luck for the final phase of your preparation and obviously round one and the, and the season beyond. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have your company right here on the Captain's Run. Sam Edmund with you. And, Damien, I'm so glad that you just texted him. I had this down on my run sheet today. I haven't got to it yet, as you've pointed out. You've been listening all morning, and you said correctly, 
I don't think I've heard a single mention of the World Baseball Classic and the Aussies beating the Korean team yesterday. They beat South Korea, if you don't know, 8-7. Uh, a massive upset in World Baseball at the Tokyo Dome, as you point out, uh, Damien. It's nearly the most significant win in the history of Australian baseball. You're pointing out we have no big leaguers in the team, yet we beat the third highest participating country in the world with multiple big leaguers and full-time pros. It's a big deal, and it should be covered. Um there was home runs from Tim Kennelly, Robbie Glendening, Robbie Perkins over there in Tokyo. And as you pointed out, Damo, the South Koreans were heavily fancied for all the reasons you mentioned. Is the opening game of the tournament over there. In fact, Australia have never gone past the first round in their four previous appearances. But they can do here and they can qualify for the quarterfinals if they finish top two of the pool they're in, Pool B. Now, that also includes uh, Japan, China, and the Czech Republic. But you're right, it is a monumental upset in world baseball. Um, and we're happy to talk about it. Of course we are. I had it down. I just haven't quite got to the uh, got to it yet. And a, a wild game with a wild ending. So good on you, Damo. Appreciate that. Um, off the text here from Josh in Ballarat, I'm not sure why people are so fussed about the AFL giving the NRL clear air this weekend. For starters... It's around two of the NRL, and for as long as I can remember, Josh says, the NRL has always been two rounds ahead of the AFL. It's not just a 2023 thing. No, you're right. It isn't. Uh, It's always been the case as far as I can remember as well. And as I said, I'm not sure the AFL are totally fussed on when the NRL starts and when they start. It's more about the balance that we have um, or the AFL has in their game at the moment with regular season games, home and away games for premiership points as opposed um, to these practice matches and uh, the appetite that the players have of probably more for the former and less of the latter. Sean's texting. I'm listening from Darwin NT. I'm a Carlton member, but I also paid for general admission tickets for the upcoming game. It had no issues, as I did on the day the tickets became available. It sounds like people have left it too late. It is going to be a massive crowd at the MCG, though. You can... Bet your bottom dollar on that. Aaron's dropped us a line as well. Uh, this is the year where I get to take my six-year-old to the footy to see our mighty blue boys. He's rearing to go. He's got Paddy Cripps' number on the back. Can't wait to sing the song week in, week out. That is from Aaron. Um, yeah, the appetite now for footy is uh, absolutely feverish. The final countdown is on. It starts next Thursday. It's been a long wait, hasn't it? Now, all sorts of predictions have been thrown around, all sorts of assessments. It's uh, the preseason for crystal balling and wild predictions and crazy takes. Well, I thought David King threw out something really interesting this morning on uh, Fireball Friday with Kane Corns as he sought to draw a comparison, potentially, between Damien Hardwick and what he is doing at Richmond and what Alistair Clarkson was able to achieve at Hawthorne. I believe if Damien Hardwick wins the premiership in 23 he would overtake Alistair Clarkson as the best AFL coach we've seen since Norm Smith in the last Oof. 50 years. So that he would he would go to four flags uh, alongside Alistair Clarkson, but I believe he's done it with less. I've done the research. There's been less top 10 picks. There's been less top 20 picks. Um, they didn't have the – when, when Clarko – and this is no slight on Alistair at all, and it shouldn't be received that way because we're talking about the pointy end of the coaching fraternity, okay? The top guns, if, if you – for want of a better term. But Clarko coached for 17 years, five grand finals, four flags. It was done through an area where there was challenges with the new two new franchises coming in. We had compromised drafts. We had free agency, which they come in and scoop the pool on. They forced clubs to trade ahead of time. Players like Gunston, he'll walk, he'll come to us. We better get a trade done. Like Brian Lake and 
Uh, there's a whole host of players. But so so they they cashed in their draft selections through that period and got known products such as Brian Lake, McAvoy, David Hale, those those sorts of players. So they were very smart, mm. and the tactical nous of Clarkson added to that through that period realised itself into four premierships. 13 years at Richmond, three grand finals, three flags, okay, and done it with less. Yes, they have traded towards the end with Prestia and, and obviously getting the, the free agency of, of Tom Lynch have had a big impact on that at the right time. But I believe if, if Harbick were to win it this year and go to four flags, you could mount a case that he goes past Clarkson because he's done it with less talent. Let's debate this, shall we? Um, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line for EFS delivering simple freight solutions. Uh, David King says, I believe if Damien Hardwick wins the premiership this year, he would overtake Alistair Clarkson as the best AFL coach we've seen since Norm Smith. Now, that last bit probably opens it up to um, some some debate the other way. Like, if we're going to go back that far, I can't go past someone like Lee Matthews. I mean, I think we underestimate potentially the ability for someone to get a team to four consecutive grand finals. They played off in four deciders in a row, that Brisbane outfit. They probably should have won the fourth too, but they were jibbed. They didn't get the home final at the Gabba that uh, was corrected in the aftermath. And we've heard a lot about that in the years since, of course. So with a better run, with a fair run, the Brisbane Lions probably could have and should have won four premierships in a row. So I think if we're going to go back to Norm Smith, you certainly chuck him in. But if we're going just debating Damien Hardwick and Alistair Clarkson, what's your take on this? I mean, we can get bogged down for a while on who had the most talent, who had more, who had less. Um, there was a compromised draft period thrown in there as well. So Richmond, um, you know, Clarkson and Hawthorne, you know, um, had, a, had a compromised period there where they were uh, looking to bring players in. Um but Richmond, both eras, absolutely magnificent. Who would take Preston's though? And it, it's still a big if for mine, if Damien Hardwick wins the premiership this year with a revamped Tigers outfit. Adrian's in Roeville. Adrian, welcome to the captain's run. How are we going, mate? Hey, we're well. Mate, I, I just got in a little early, so I missed the part where you're saying it was only going to be a debate between Clarko and Hardwick. But how you can say Kevin Sheedy's not the greatest coach since Norm Smith? I mean, the bloke coached premiership in the 80s with the old school of forwards in the 90s with a bunch of teenagers, and in the 2000s with the greatest side that ever got put together. So mm. I've got no idea why anyone's saying Hardwick versus Clarkson when they've forgotten the best of all time. But if you're talking about Hardwick versus Clarkson, those compromised drafts actually did Hardwick, uh, did Clarkson a massive favour because the best talent wasn't going to the original 16 teams yeah. to mount that channel Hawthorne. Clarkson had the best talent going to GWS and going to Gold Coast, and the best kids weren't getting to got, uh, sides that were competitive. So... If you're talking about uh, Clarkson versus Hardwick, it's Hardwick in a canter. Clarkson had it handed to him. Um, so I don't think you can really give Clark over the edge in this uh, the debate between those two. But Cheedy does them both because he did it with three different generations of football. The generation of football changes every seven or eight years. Um, 84, 85, 93, 2000. That's three different generations of footballs. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate it. Yeah, and look, we can we can go all the way back to Norm. I think if he had his time again, King, he might just focus on the two because forget going back that far because we do open up Pandora's box with that. But particularly with these two, it, they've worked together. They're good mates. It's an interesting little debate. And wasn't Alex Rance a priority pick, though? I reckon he might have come priority-wise down that path. But anyway, David's in Richmond. David, welcome. Good morning. Uh, very, very happy Richmond fan. I'm really hoping this year we go all the way. But we've made the finals eight of the last ten seasons. We've only missed out in 2016, following a disappointing finals finish in 2015, and the same again in 2021. Mm. 
going to win the flag in Brisbane during that COVID period was probably the most difficult thing. And apart from that bad night against Collingwood in 2018, we haven't really done much wrong, have we? No, you've been a very good side over this period, David. No arguments from me there. How do you think you stack up with the Hawthorne team of the Golden Year under Alistair Clarkson, though? I had this discussion with um, a couple of people at work, and they, they kind of agreed that I th- that Richmond has been better for longer, more consistent. And, yeah, that was a super side Hawthorne had back then. As, as some of the people have been saying, it was kind of handed to them. And the people they played in the grand finals didn't actually turn up either. West Coast bungled it. Fremantle probably should have beaten them. Sydney rolled them, and then they didn't turn up in 2014. So, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't use the phrase "handed to them." I think that's a pretty strong, a pretty strong term. Nothing gets handed to anyone at this level. But I think for Hawthorne, though, for mine, if I'm playing devil's advocate, to play in four consecutive grand finals is an unbelievable period of consistency, and to win three of those. I think that that is big. I think that's a big tick if you're able to play off consistently. Now, obviously, Richmond had their chances. They were undone by Mason Cox and Collingwood that year when bigger things beckoned. But that shows you how difficult it is to get to the last game of the year, year upon year. Uh, Nick is over there in SA and Grange. G'day, Nick. Welcome. Hey, boys. Um, who was the best footballer in 2013, mate? Lance T- Franklin. Yes. Right? He left. So Clarko had to reinvent that forward line without arguably the best footballer, modern-day footballer, arguably, who was kicking between 70 to 100 goals a game. And he actually managed to win two consecutive flags without Lance Franklin. So oh, I think that's a massive tick, guys. Honestly, he completely changed the forward line structure and won two flags in a row without what was then the best player in the league. So... That's why um, I give my kudos to Clarko. Ah, no, pretty good point there from you, Nick. In fact, they won one of those premierships uh, against Lance, of course. Uh, good point. Johnny's on the road. Johnny, you want to talk this debate that we're having at the moment? Yeah, I do. Look, I, I'm a Collingwood supporter. I'd have to, I'd have to say Richmond and Damien Hardwick would uh, would have to take it there if they do win the flag. I really don't rate the Brisbane flags. Not once did they finish top. And having a lot to do with sports nutrition, I know the impact that intravenous hydration makes to a player. If that, if, if that happened now, the team that did it would have a massive advantage. So I believe they didn't finish top, and I think they cheated. Uh, so I don't rate the Brisbane flags <laughs> at all. So I'd have to be, uh, I think, Damien Hardwick. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're deliberately needling that part in the pun there, uh, Johnny, but um, I'm not sure I agree with you. The other part of it is Hawthorne, if we're splitting hairs here, they played three interstate teams to win those three flags, right? Brisbane had to travel three times to play Melbourne-based sides on their own uh, dung heap. So that's a big part of it as well. And that, as I said earlier, that, that, that year where they got jibbed on that home final, um, that, if that happened these days, there would be an absolute riot. So they put up with a fair bit, Brisbane, to be honest, and an unbelievable side. And people are talking here, if we are going back that far and further back, if you're talking better for longer, neither of Clarko's Hawks or Hardwick's Tigers get near the cats of the past 15 years, says this text. Anywho, more calls later in the show on that. We got into it because he sure didn't answer his phone. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get Heater up a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Melbourne's weather today, partly cloudy, top of 24 degrees for City Power. That is uh, Cook Street Roadworks, Fisherman's Bend, Detours are in place.
Proudly family owned and operated since 1989. statetransport.com.au The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. Well, the Australian cricket selectors yesterday named a 14-man Australia A squad to tour New Zealand and play New Zealand A next month. Three Victorians will be on the plane, including our next guest, who has been in white-hot form since the Sheffield Shield returned. Indeed, it's been some sort of resurrection. Mitch Perry, a big welcome to SEN. Hey, hey Sam. Thanks for having me. Oh, congratulations. You'd have to be thrilled with this. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's a, it's a yeah, pretty... I'm pretty happy with the achievement, but um, yeah, I wasn't sort of expecting it. It sort of came out of the blue. I, um, I didn't really see myself around um, Australian teams for a long time, so I think, yeah, it's pretty unexpected. How's your last few months been? I mean, dropped late last year, 19 wickets in three Shield matches since the resumption, now picked for New Zealand. I mean, this is some sort of emotional roller coaster, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, yeah, I got dropped. Um, the last two games before the Big Bash, obviously that was a little little bit disappointing, as every um, sports person will say. They obviously don't feel like they should be dropped, but um, yeah, had some pretty pretty hard conversations with our coaches, um, Chris Rogers and um, Dave Hussey. Sort of um, laid down the law a little bit with what I had to do and um, what I had to do to get back in the team and what I what I had to do well to go back into the twos for Victoria and even back to Premier Cricket for Richmond to get back into. Um, Victorian team, so um, I'd like to say now it's sort of sort of helped me get to where I am. But at the, at the time, I obviously disagreed with the with the um, with the selection. But yeah, I can't can't really say much about it to to be honest. Yeah, well, can we just? I just want to take you back before we go forward, just to this particular moment. I think going in, you were seen as you know the number two seed in the bowling ranks. I suppose Scotty Boland was there at the start of the summer. Now he left for national duties. You struggled to find your form. Why, looking back anyway, why did you think it wasn't working for you at the time? Um, yeah, obviously, Scotty leaving, um, and then it sort of got left left up to um, us younger guys in Sutto, um, myself, Cam McClure and Fergus O'Neill. I think, I don't know, I think I might have put a little bit too much pressure on myself with Bazza going and sort of thinking, oh, I've got to, I've got to step up again here. And um, I think... Speaking to our bowling coach, Adam Griffiths, there was a, must have been a little bit going on with my technical side of my bowling. And um, and then, yeah, like I said, speaking to Bucky and um, Huss to go back to the twos and go back to Premier Cricket for Richmond to sort of just figure it all out again and work on some things that I've been working on. And, yeah, I think it's got me... That's led me to where I am today. Yeah. So you touched on it just before. So I'm, I'm conscious of the fact there's probably you don't want to you don't want to and you probably can't say everything. But what what sort of message came with with the demotion in terms of you know why and what you needed to work on? Um. Yeah, I think it was more just I wasn't wasn't performing as as well as everyone would like to have, of me to perform. Um, and obviously there was guys underneath me that were performing a lot better than. Than me, so I think it was just just a simple one. Um, get back to Richmond and start taking wickets again, and um, yeah, and you they just pretty much said, yeah, you, if you do that, then you might be in the team after Christmas. But yeah, I think it was more just performance based. I think I wasn't wasn't doing the team, wasn't doing any well for the team. I think to start the year. Well, that's a world away now because you've really, I guess you've rediscovered that trademark ability, haven't you, to take the top order wickets? I mean, you were known early in your career, weren't you, for, for getting, I suppose, the best players out and you've rediscovered that that trait seemingly in the last three Shield matches. 
Yeah, uh, I guess so. I think it's probably more it comes down to the person at the other end as well. Like, um, been bowling with Ferg, he's been bowling as well as ever, and um, also having Sutter as well. I think um, if we're just been building constant pressure from both ends, and then even when I come back on later on in the day, I've always been bowling with John Holland, who's obviously a class bowler. So I've been pretty lucky to be bowling with some of these guys at the other end that are just building constant pressure. And I think I've been pretty lucky that the last few games that I've got the rewards. So, um, like, not to say that next game that these guys have some rewards as well, but I think, yeah, I've been pretty lucky the few games that the rewards have come my way. That's no, very modest, very modest of you to say. Now, this is all bowling related, of course, Mitch, but that would potentially be pigeonholing you. You're more of an all-rounder these days, aren't you, giving your, your night watchman heroics? Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that. I'd like to say that I'm all-rounder, but um, <laughs> I get shut down pretty quickly. I'm, yeah, I'm the first one to get thrown into the night watchman role and I sort of I sort of I like the I like the role but as much as I don't like it when especially when we're walking off the field after bowling and Buck comes up to me and he's like, You're right to bat and I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess so <laughs> Um Yeah, I'd, as much as I'd like to say, especially when the next morning and I'm batting, but that night, yeah, I'm absolutely petrified. <laughs> so three games as a night watchman. So seventy you got seventy against Queensland, you got forty against New South Wales. Now, is it true though, Mitch, that the boys are calling you the Nighthawk? <laughs> Definitely true. I think I've um, given myself that that nickname after <laughs> what the English team said. Um, no, I'm definitely not going the way England are going with their their night watchman approach. I'm more of a try and get through that night and look after the batters instead of trying to take it on. Now, I'm interested in this tour of New Zealand, though, because um, you've, you're going to be playing with the Duke ball, aren't you? So, obviously, all around preparing for, for the English conditions, big year when it comes to, to cricket in that part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think they're, they're trying to emulate some um, English conditions for some of these guys that are probably um, a good chance to go on that tour. Um, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I'd probably, I probably think I'd ever be a look into ever play for Aussie A for in the near future. So I think I'm pretty lucky to be travelling with some of these guys. So yeah, I think it's just more of a, like I'm just going to take it as a really good experience, to be fair. Yeah, we're speaking to Bush Rangers quick, Mitch Perry. Mitch, we're nearly out of time. Before we let you go, just coming back to the Vic setup, you've got, uh, you've got to go to Perth next week. Now, this is a massive match, isn't it? Now, help me out here. Do you have to win to make the final, most likely anyway? I know Queensland is second, you're third. I think the Bulls have got Tassie, who are a bit out of sorts at the moment. So it's a massive match in terms of your place at the pointy end of the season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think we definitely have to win and hopefully um, Tassie can knock off the balls or I think if there's a few bonus points floating around and if, um, and if we get all full bonus points and bat well and take... Uh, to be fair, I don't really know. I think if we can just go and win and then mm. hopefully the results go away, I think we're in. Magnificent. Hey, congratulations, mate. She's been a heck of a journey. Um, just goes to show your persistence and professionalism and the way you handle feedback is absolutely key. Enjoy it over there, mate. All the best with it. Thank you. Thanks for the call. There's Mitch Perry there uh, on the plane to New Zealand. Australia A taking on New Zealand A. They are playing two four-day matches next month. And uh, as I said, he couldn't get in the Vic team at the end of last year. Gets a recall and then uh, catches fire in the three Shield games since. He's been uh, one of the stories of the Sheffield Shield season. I love the footy debate. My goodness, some of these texts that have come in off the back of Clarkson v Hardwick and whatever else anyone wants to throw in. A couple of absolute pearlers here. I like this one from um, Ewan in Hamilton. It's all hypothetical, so I'll add, 
What if Clarkson gets a flag at North or even multiple? Would that make him the clear goat? Fair shout, Ewan. And then there's this one from Kane. How surprising that a Don supporter rings in and mentions Sheedy and sticks the boot into Clarko. See you Sunday, Muppet. That's that time of the year, isn't it? I absolutely love it. Uh, it's Carlton Membership Day here at SEN. You can become a three-game Carlton member, and the club will double your access to six games. It's for 99 bucks. Some of those texts dropping, of course, thanks to the 40 Winks temper text. Uh, we're coming up to the news, and on the other side of that, we're going to, well, shortly anyway, catch up with Mitch Robinson. He's up in Darwin. Now, we've put Heath Shaw back to around 11.40. Heath, just, you know, wary of answering calls from private numbers, which is fair enough, but now he knows our number, so hopefully he'll take our call at 20 to 12. We need to have a chat with Heath, and besides all that, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Andy Harper's going to join us, all things the world football. Miles Fitzner. Big weekend of racing coming up, so stay with us right here on The Captain's Run. We'll be back very, very shortly. Proudly family-owned and operated since 1989. statetransport.com.au The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. Oh, yes, great to have your company on a Friday morning, and I hope your day started well. Hey, Mitch Robinson played 247 AFL games, course started at Carlton and ended at the Brisbane Lions. He won a best and fairest along the way and also won a lot of plaudits for his tenacity and his commitment to the cause. He's up in Darwin these days, and it's a great pleasure to have him on. Mitch, good morning. Welcome to SEN. Good morning, Sam. How are you going, mate? I'm well, and also probably should have pointed out, mate, you're one of us now too. I see you've signed on to be part of uh, AFL Nation this year, so we'll be hearing you behind the mic. Yeah, I am. I was actually looking for a radio station that fit my persona. Um, obviously, I'm going to come with a little bit of attitude and hopefully some good insight being fresh out of the game. But I'm actually really excited to see how my commentating is going to go. So very, very excited. Hey, mate, I still remember your most famous piece of commentary. That was the Brews free footy line from back in the day. <laughs> mate, they're still talking about that. They are. I think I started that trend. No, that, that came from the coach and I was just relaying the message saying that both teams are playing Brews free footy and somehow... Melbourne Demons took that to to heart, and that was their motivation for the next few years against me on the field. So hey. it was all good fun, but I didn't mean it. Like, let's be honest. No, make no apologies. I say own it all the way. You've come this far. <laughs> I didn't say sorry. <laughs> yes. hey, you've been playing up there too, haven't you, of course? I think it's preliminary final weekend in the NTFL this weekend, is it not? Yeah, it is. So um, we got knocked out in the first round. We lost by two points in monsoon conditions. Like I've played in rain, been a Tassie boy, but this was, yeah. you couldn't even see the ball in front of you from 10 metres away. So it was, uh, it was pretty trying conditions, but yeah, we unfortunately lost. So that's my time up here, Dunskies. I thought the monsoon would have suited the Darwin Buffaloes. It, it did, it did a little bit, but then um, when it dried up for 10 minutes, uh, they scored heavily. So um, that's what took it away for us. But next year, I'll be back next year. You played some good stuff up there individually? Yeah, no, no I played well. I was uh, dominating for the first three rounds and I was getting tagged by little uh, little kids that wanted to make a name for themselves and get on the Rob Log. So um, I wasn't <laughs> able to uh, break away and do those things because uh, I was up here for fun, but they were taking it a bit too seriously. Righto, righto. Hey, what have you made from afar of the trade period that one of your old mobs, the Brisbane Lions, were able to execute? Obviously, the arrival of Jack Gunston, Josh Dunkley. Uh, what, have, what have you made of the pieces of the puzzle that the Lions have been able to add? Yeah, apart from Richmond, I think they probably had the best um, trade period in the AFL last year. They, they they got some missing pieces they thought they definitely needed. Um, they brought Gunston up, who's an experienced forward, who you know can really show the way with his with his tick leading, and he just finds that he find, like manages to find the goals on regular occasions. So him and Dunkley, Dunkley looks like ready to go. It's something that he showed um, that probably I haven't noticed in the past is the, the courage and the, the tenacity he's showing on field. He's really wanted to make a name for himself and. 
there and that respect from his teammates you can see early on in those pracky matches and obviously Will Ashcroft is you know always in the public at the moment with a with a mm. media talking and talking him up and stuff and I played a couple of VFL games in last year and I was no just as surprised as anyone how professional he is and how he can find the ball and his running ability is something that I haven't seen for a long time so um, rising star award I'd lock him in for that if he stays healthy but yeah. Um, hopefully not too much pressure on the young kid, but he seems to be relishing it already. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him and whether you had much to do with him, which which you've just clearly identified that you did. And Jasper Fletcher's the other one, but gee, the hype around around Will, so he's going to come in, you think, and just be uh, make an impact straight away? Yeah, the, 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 probably the position that they haven't locked down yet for, I'm still trying to figure out who's going to play there is the wing role. So mm. usually with young players coming in, they try and you know, hide them away a little bit and just get a feel for the game. And I think that role on the wing would be perfect for him with a bit of pinch hitting in the midfield, you know, relieving the Dunkley, um, the Cluggage, the, the Lockie Neals of the world. So he's shown that he can definitely win his own footy as well. That's something that I noticed last year that he's not afraid of the contest. And, and he, can, he got lifted by, I think it was Guthrie in the, in, the, in the Geelong game and he got straight back up and kept going. So... I'm excited to see what he can produce, but at the same time, I don't, you know, I don't want him to to buy into all the hype and and maybe try to do too much. Just, mm. just play his game, and you know, he's a first year player, so he's going to suck it all in. And I think it's good to see that the first game's over in Port Adelaide because that's going to be a pretty hostile environment. So, do, do, just looking at them before we let them go, do, do they want for anything anymore? Do you think? I mean, apart from a, a an M Robinson on a, on a wing, do, do, they, do they want for anything? Um, I, I think they're pretty much set now. Like they've got all the pieces to be able to um, have a real push this, this year in the finals. I think, you know, they're probably going to finish top four, I dare say. And it's all about that finals experience. You know, we, we tasted it last four years in the finals and unfortunately we didn't get to the big dance, but it's not as easy that. So I'm pretty sure if they get to the finals, they're going to use that experience and they should be able to, you know, put some things in place to be able to combat some opposition tactics. And, you know, they've got all the pieces of the puzzle ready to go. So, Unfortunately, I won't be here, but I really want to see my teammates mm. succeed, and I think this is the year they're going to do it. Obviously, they made another change over the break, didn't they, with uh, Dane Zorko stepping aside as captain. They've gone the co-captaincy route, obviously, with uh, with Harris Andrews and, and, and Lockie Neal, the Brownlow medalist. If you were playing, would you be one supportive of a co-captain setup, or are you traditional in that sense? I'm definitely traditional. I, I, I love the solo captain, but I can also, um, after going down to Brisbane last week, I had a good chat with the boys. We um, had a couple of drinks on the Saturday because I had a break, so... I was kind of understanding what, what they're going through. And I think because <clears throat> Harrow is still you know, mm. relatively young, he's only played under 150 games. So he's going to be there for another 10 years. And I think him sharing the load with Lockie early on, you know, it's not a bad thing, especially Lockie being a superstar of the game. And um, he's more in the midfield and he, and he drips forward. So he can really show his worth there. Whereas Harrow is the more of a talker and Lockie is more of the, you know, lead by example type player. So, I think it might work out well. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the 11-man leadership group, but um, that's that's up to them. And I think if it works, then you might see every other team next year doing the same thing. Yeah, I suppose with Harris being vice-captain for so long and then when Lockie wants it too, with everything he's done in the game, it could have potentially been an awkward one for Brisbane. But I don't know. I thought they, they handled it really well in the end. And um, as you say, they're going to feature prominently this season. Hey, I know you love your boxing, Mitch. And, and the hype and the countdown for this interim WBO super welterweight title fight in Sydney with our Tim Zhu against the American Tony Harrison has been so massive. I mean, we've had Tim here with us in the studio in recent times. He's done, I reckon, amazingly well to keep his cool, really, while being just mercilessly and continually baited by Harrison at every opportunity. It's been some sort of build-up. Yeah, it has. I've been I've been paying a lot of attention to this because I'm a bit of a boxing enthusiast on the side, but this is a really big fight for Tim Zhu because a lot of people and a lot of critics are saying that he didn't deserve this shot at um, Charlo for for the unified belt. So um, Harrison said that many times in, in the interviews and stuff, saying that 
hasn't crossed the pond and, and fought the best boxers in America and Mexico where where they're, they're a different breed over there. So this will really solidify him in going forward. And, and if he wins on the weekend, then he deserves that shot because, you know, Harrison has beaten Charlo before and he, he's probably the best in that in that division at the moment. So I'm excited for this. But for Tim Zhu to be able to uh, want to fight the best fighters is, is really um, a show on his character and where he's come from. Obviously, his old man was absolute Australian legend and he won't be there in the corner this weekend with him. But I really believe that if, if he gets that job done, it's going to be a Cambosis top story. He's going to um, be on top and then... He gets his rifle shot at the of all the belts, so it's exciting. But I'm also nervous for him at the same time. Yeah, and I reckon the only time his veneer has cracked Tim Zoo was probably just in the most recent face-off interview on on main event. And I know Harrison has often stuffed up his surname deliberately, I'm sure. But right at the end of this <laughs> chat, yeah, he keeps calling him Timothy instead of Tim. And I tell you what, Tim Zoo, he looks like he was about to get up out of that chair and lay into him. I reckon that's the only time he looked like he was going to crack. Yeah, he definitely hit a soft spot there. I was a bit, um, I was laughing at it. I, I didn't understand why he gets so worked up about it, but I think it's just because he, you know he's kept his his cool, his composure the whole time they've been talking. He's all about boxing, and in the same interview, Tony was pumping him up all, pretty much all the whole conversation, by mm. saying that, you know, he's, he's pretty basic fighter. He's just got the toughness, and that's about it. But um, these American fighters, man, like they're they've they've got something different, and their skill. They've been fighting since they were kids, and. And over there, they fight the best from when they were growing up. So um, this is a massive test for him. And, yeah, I'm saying if he wins, then the world is oyster. But if he loses, it's going to be a bit of a hard road. Hey, Mitch, I know you like pulling the gloves on, of course, particularly when you were playing. And it's a big part of – well, it was it was a big part of preseason before Early things day, got a little yeah. nasty at Hawthorne, of course, and it all got taken away from clubs. But who, yeah. who did you like stepping in the ring with? Who, who was handy in your time? Um, well, at the, at the Lions, um, I'll, I'll probably put myself up there as the best of the Lions, but at, at the Blues, <laughs> there was one, one guy that used to absolutely slap me around uh, back then was Heath Scotland. He he used to make fun of everybody, but just like punching them left, right, and we didn't really know any boxing um, like techniques, but he was really good. And also, also Chris Yaron was, um, yep. the stories about him when he travelled over to South Africa for the under-18 stuff, and someone tried to steal his wallet over there and he ended up bashing them up. So he, he was really good uh, in the boxing sense too. So no, nah, it's a, uh, it's a thing that a lot of clubs are doing in the preseason to try and toughen players up, which I absolutely loved. It was a bit of good fitness and I know I'll probably try and get in the ring at some stage this year, but my partner said yesterday, she doesn't want me to, because if I get knocked out, then I might be a bit sad for a while. So I'm just trying, <laughs> she's next to me, but yeah, I absolutely love the sport. Can't go ruining that beautiful face, Rob. I think that's probably what she's saying. Hey, Mate, you... I joined right there for a reason. I got face the radio. In all seriousness, great to have you on AFL Nation. You are going to be a must listen. I can't wait to hear you in action and your commentary. And a lot of love here off our text machine here from Lions supporters saying you will be missed. Um, and a lot of Brisbane supporters texting in this morning. So, mate, thanks so much for your time uh, this morning and uh, look forward to chatting again soon. All right. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Have a good day. There's Mitch Robinson there, former Blue, former Lion. And a reminder... Sue Harrison, 12th of March, Sunday night, Sydney. Tickets on sale now, available via Ticket Tech, or you can catch the action on pay-per-view, of course, on Main Event, which comes via Foxtel and KO Sports. A break on the captain's run and back shortly. A finals loom on the horizon for the A-League, and it is oh so tight at the top of the table. I think seven games left. 11 points separate second from 11th overseas. Been a big week in the Champions League, and there's been a big re-signing here as well when it comes to the manager of an A-League club. So plenty on the menu for us to have a chat to this man about. I love it each and every week. Andy Harper, 10 football expert, is with us. Morning, Andy. Hi, Sam. How are you, mate? Uh, very well, and uh, great to have you on again. The A-League. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. How do you see it? I mean, 
Melbourne City playing some beautiful stuff, but even they were stunned by Adelaide this time last week. It could seemingly conduct a bit of a raffle here, and I suppose that's the that's the beauty of competition at the top. And an equalised competition at that. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a really bizarre set of circumstances where you have you know, Melbourne City, who even, like, they caught four in the jaw last week, but still, at the start of that match, had, had the better of the chances, really good chances, um, and, and could have skipped clear themselves. But Adelaide have sort of thrown down a marker, haven't they? On the back of that, the confidence you get from a win like that uh, is huge. But the results can go anyway, and I think the inconsistency is what's keeping hope alive for some of the fans of the clubs down the bottom because it's more than just mathematical for them. I always sort of get nervous for teams that when you get into the discussion about you know, mathematically this, mathematically that, you're really starting mm. to clutch at straws. But because because across the board, the form has been so inconsistent, not the form, but the results have been so inconsistent, the mathematics actually does count now. So as soon as, as long as you're still alive, I think you can you can expect teams in front of you, around you, to get the wobbles. And if any one of those bottom teams can just nail on some consistent form, they can overrun the pack and get into finals contention. And I'm including Melbourne Victory in that. Oh, you can't be, Andy. Surely. That, this has been a shocking season for Tony Popovich's club. For a number of reasons, it has. Uh, it really has. But but you look at, uh, uh, as well as they've been playing, um, haven't get it, been getting the results. This is mm. most unusual for a team coming last. And at this point of a season, a team that's last, they've normally for all intents and purposes, waving the white towel. Victory have been playing very competitively in, in a number of situations, outplaying their opponents, uh, including, I think, you know, the the draw against Adelaide a couple of weeks ago where it took that worldie from the 17-year-old Eric mm. Kunda to deny them points. So my point, my point is, so long as they can keep believing, they get two or three wins on the bounce, which, let's face it, the start of the season, you've got to win X number of games to make the finals. Um, and that equation remains the same. Uh, they're yet to string those matches together. There's still time for them to do that. And to my previous point, if they can do that, string two or three together, um, reasonably expect other teams around them to start falling. And victory might find themselves on the cusp of the six, and then all bets can be off. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. I mean, from their point of view, I think we had a similar conversation off the back of that uh, derby, that big derby win. You know, shocked City 3-2. We thought, oh, hang on, this might be the trigger, but they just mm. haven't quite been able to go on with it since then. So, um, yeah. yeah. Look, and just to finish off on the victory thing, I, I'm not completely apologising for them mm. because a couple of big players haven't aimed up uh, consistently uh, and they just haven't scored the goals when there have been goals there to score. So, you know, it's not all bad luck for victory. Yes, they've, they've acquitted themselves well. They've been still been very solid. They've had moments where they should have won matches, but big players, Socceroos, Chris Economides, to name one, has just not been in the best form of his career, and that's really starting to hurt. Hey, Johnny Aloisi was the re-signing I, I mentioned off the top, a two-year contract extension, of course, as the coach of uh, the reigning champs, Western United. Um, how do you see this reappointment and... Um, what are we to read into it, Andy? It did take a while to, to come to fruition, did it not? Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on at Western United. I think anyone who, who can offer <laughs> um, an explanation as to where that club's at and what it's doing uh, outside the white lines of the football field, mm. um, you know, I'd love to hear about it. But uh, I think it's a, a great move. I've, I've got a huge opinion of John Aloisi as a coach. Um, 
uh, he'd be on my shopping list were I in, a, in, in the club business and looking to secure a, a steady hand, uh, a dynamic personality in the dressing room, great experience. Uh, and now with a win to his CV after last year, so I think congratulations, West United. Whatever it's taken to get them to this point, um, I think they've got a good man and to tie him down and build around him uh, on the back of the re-signing of Noah Bodic as well, I think is instructive as well. Now, if we can just get the off-field stuff with Western United sorted so that people can get a fix on actually what they are, mm. um, that would be a huge win for club and league. So what catches your eye this weekend? Obviously, Perth Glory get us started tonight against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers yeah. over there in Perth. Uh, Victory have yeah. got Western United, those two clubs we've spoken about. City have got the roar at home. But what, what's what's piquing your interest? Well, I mean, there's not one game that, that uh, doesn't interest me, actually, but the Newcastle-Adelaide game, mm. Newcastle at home, have historically been very disappointing, and again, this season. Um, and there's all talk around, you know, Arthur Pappas, what a great coach, this, that and the other, and I'm not raining on his parade at all. Um, but you've got to start winning your home games to give your fans something to cheer about. So uh, against Adelaide, no less. So I'm looking forward to that one because it, at the moment, you'd have to think it's in the top two sternest tests of the league. I'll put the Wanderers in that other, uh, in the other position for that, um, just behind, and Melbourne City just behind them. Adelaide Wanderers are the two toughest games at the moment, as far as I can see, and Newcastle have got one at home. So let's see if they can bag three points, um, um, put some substance behind the hype that tends to be generated around this team. I'm, I'm yet to really see why. But um, there's their chance at home to entertain their fans, get three points and take, a, take some bark off Adelaide and then get themselves into the finals picture again. Can I talk Champions League with you? Because I just love that club competition, uh, Andy, and it was magnificent this week and last. And boy, oh boy, did they need a result at Chelsea, and they got it at Stamford Bridge, 2-0 over Borussia Dortmund. And I might add, not without a heavy dose of controversy when it comes to uh, retaking penalties either. Hmm. Well, Chelsea, I don't know if you, if, if you say Chelsea could use a break <laughs> because, you know, how do you cry crocodile? tears over billionaire-run operations like that. But they haven't had a good time of it, Eddie Howe, since taking over. It's, it, it's been a really difficult ownership transition, coaching transition, um, mm. form in the league, and the Champions League's been exposed as well. But it was a, it was a great win for them uh, against Dortmund. The German clubs are, are typically really difficult to beat Dortmund, of course, in that, in that discussion. So a huge fillet for Eddie Howe um, and, and for Chelsea. Whether or not they can build on this and go on remains to be seen. That they still seem to me to be in that flash-in-the-pan category um, and, until whatever's going on at the club settles down and they can get back to some normal sort of service. Um, but for the here and now, it's a, it's a great win to keep them well and truly alive in the biggest club competition on the planet. Yeah, and the headline act was that Bayern Munich uh, Paris Saint Germain clash yesterday. That's yeah. uh, that's a blockbuster one, and the Germans made it look easy over the two legs, Andy. Well, I mean, massive question marks about PSG. You know, they tip usually, or they're not having it their own way in the French league at the moment. But mm. you know, they normally just rule the roost, uh, and they've got the three biggest names in world football. I think it's fair to say, you know, Messi, Neymar. Uh, and Mbappe, they're three bigger names in world football, all on the one team, and, and you know, still not the sum of their parts. Often it's not. Often it's the case in football. You know, you can um, have all these great individuals, but blending them into a team that's going to actually win the big competitions is another thing altogether. And I think that's where we find PSG at the moment. Meanwhile, Bayern Munich um, are, are just a machine. They keep rolling on uh, over the last decade, utterly dominant in Germany. Um, and just, to, mm. you know, it's a vindication for community-owned clubs, let me put it that way. 
Yep, yep. And uh, Spurs, the uh, Spurs knocked out. Obviously, AC Milan. They could only get a nil-nil draw in that in that second leg as well. So they are out of the Champions League. A uh, league's going down to the wire, and you just get the feeling that anything could happen with it, um, given how tight it is and the unpredictable nature of it, which is great. So I think our chats are going to be. Well, we're going to have plenty of fodder, plenty to talk about as the weeks roll on. Great to chat again. Well, Sam, I think you stole my son. I said if we if we manage to reconvene this time next week, the theme's going to be the same. Yeah. Clubs are still in it. Um, 100%. Although the Western the Western victory game uh, this week, that, that might knock one out. Um, victory don't win this, then I'm going to be finding it hard to hold on to their hope on their behalf. But uh, I think they might actually get the biscuits against Western. Great to talk to you, mate. I appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me. Proudly family owned and operated since 1989. statetransport.com.au The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. Oh, he's had a big week. He's set for a big weekend. I just love his dulcet tones as you bring in the magic man. Miles Fitzner, welcome back to the Captain's Run. Hello, Sammy. Always great to be on the Captain's Run. It's the lead program. when It's it's in the name, Captain's Run. You're yes. the skipper. Yes, I thank, like it. Thank you. Listen, you've got an important job to play, and I take it the red carpet is being rolled out at Adelaide Airport there for the arrival of Tags, who will be flying on his own chartered flight to get ready for this public holiday Monday, the Adelaide Cup live on course. Is the city ready to welcome him in? Yeah, it is. They've renamed the airline Tagstar on the way over. Mm. Uh, He'll be here on Monday. So we had the barrier draw for the Adelaide Cup on the rooftop of the Seoul Casino. Tags and I broadcasting live trackside from the Adelaide Cup near the Diva Lounge there somewhere. So it'll be a nice big day uh, on track there. And then the day after that, then I'm officially moving to Melbourne, Sammy. So there'll be no more of us down the line. I'll be there on Tuesday, ready for round one. Love come uh, Saturday night. Love having you in the flesh here. But do you need to escort, you know, tags around? Do you need to sort of show him a good time, take him to all the local horns? So how are you going to go? No, about no, 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 no. Tags is a tags is on a hit run mission, and he does that all the time. He's flying in Adelaide Cup, then flying out. He doesn't. Uh, <laughs> there's no mucking around for him. So. <laughs> He's in at 11 and gone at 7, so right uh, I won't need to show him anywhere, chauffeur, anywhere at all. Thank goodness. Chauffeur-driven, of course. Hey, we're right in the middle of a very exciting autumn carnival, so tomorrow the focus is right on Flemington for the new market handicap. Some of the greats of the turf have won the straight six. Scalacci, Placid Arc, Black Caviar, and tomorrow's Group 1 promises a much. What are your thoughts, please? Jeez, you've done your homework. I know you're a well-researched man, Sammy. You're spot on. Some of the greats have won this race. Uh, I wish I win. does look hard to beat, right? But I have got a best bet. I have as probably good a bet as I think I'm ever going to have in a Group 1 race. I'm that confident. Oh. And that is Private Eye will run a place in this race. Some uh, bookmakers, you can get close enough to $3 uh, for Private Eye to run a place in this. Place. I'm going to back it each way to win. But it's about making money here. Place. And the, yep. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Private Eye, you can mark this down. I am very, very confident right. that Private Eye will run in the top three on Saturday. I'm backing it each way, but I'm going uh, a lot harder the place, depending on your stake, of course. But uh, that will be that's going to be my best bet in the country tomorrow, Oof. is to back Private Eye to run a place. I can't believe you're getting close enough to $3. It's ridiculous. I'm definitely backing it to win, but the place price is stupid. All right, I've written that down writ large, private eye to run a place, a it, sure thing. If you're having a quaddy, um, 
you could probably, the ones that can win, I Wish I'll Win can win, Lofty Strike can win, Star mm. Patrol at 20s can win, In Secret can win, and Buenos Nachos can win if you're having a quaddy. But Private Eye, you must include it. It's set for this. You've just got to only have a look at the record here. Uh, three from five at the trip, three from five first up, four from eight the jockey on, one from one track and trip. That'll do me. Grand final. That's what it's all about. Geez, you're on. You are on. And for the first time, we've got the Australian Cup prelude, of course. Uh, the actual Cup's been moved and is on this Saturday. But it, it has been moved to after the All-Star Mile. So the prelude has drawn together a solid field. Uh, the inform, right, you are? Yes. Look, hard to look past. Not getting much of a price, though. I think a misery is probably the one that was backed... Um, it was back first up and sort of failed. I'm, I'm more than happy to forgive it and maybe take on the second up record. I know it's nothing from four second up, but I think it might be nearly too good for them. Really tough race to be betting in. Maybe small nibbles, the four Maricino, the five of Misery, um, and maybe even the eight Regal Power blinkers on first time. And if Regal Power fails again, I mean, the Cerise and White are going as bad. They're superstars uh, anywhere. It's like a virus went through and have really obliterated all these horses because these, all these horses were stars and now mm. they're... Just also ran. So blinkers on, grand final for it. I'm just going to shop overs, include right you are, uh, of course, in your quaddy. But, yeah, I, I just don't. It's not a race I'm going to be having a really big bet in, if not any. Righto, righto. Uh, the Matron Stakes for the Mayors, race five. But I believe you've got a strong one here. You like one here, don't you? Yeah, I like Barb Raider here for Jerome Hunter and Craig Williams. Uh, second up record, superb record at the trip and track. Three from four at the track. Jerome Hunter's going as good as any. He's a private trainer. Uh, Sammy, so he only trains for one person, like a private stable, um, and uh, th- their stable are flying. Uh, I think Forbidden City, some hope, Excelvia, some hope, uh, but I'm really uh, keen, probably one of the better ones of the day, winners-wise, in the Matron. Um, race five, number three, Barbara Raider. Barbara Raider, right. Now, I really wanted to speak to you today about Sydney and Rose Hill. Now, the reason being is that Tim Watson, the Wisp, hasn't oh. shut up all week about Ana Visto. Um, unbelievable from him. Um, but what a race the Group 1 Coolmore Classic will be. Now, Ana Visto is the favourite, of course, the Victorian part owned by, I think Tim's got a stake as well, but Job certainly does. Kale Hooker, his old teammate, and she returned with a great first up win, but has drawn wide. Mate, nice. you don't hear me telling Tim Watson about clearance work around stoppages, do you? <laughs> so that's like me listening to Tim Watson talk about horses. Fair dinkum. Oh, like, you don't, like the Wisp, just a superstar and, um, of course, at SEN, but come on. This and will now, get, this will get it's back. A, I'm sure it will. Own a male here. Own a male. So he's got a share in Anavisto, does he? I'm taking it on. It's actually one of my lays. Now, the reason being, uh, it's never been to the track. Never been to the track. It's mm-hmm. only won once from four goes second up. Uh, it fif- Over 1,500 unplaced. 1,600 it has run well. Draw 16. I mean, give me a Jack Mandel. A three from seven on a good service, probably the only thing going for it. I'm actually having one of my best bets against something that everybody likes again, which we did with Sunshine in Paris and, um, of course, Ruthless Dame. I'm backing Hinged. I'm backing Ruthless Dame, and I'm backing Torgine at 18s. I'm taking the Ovis. I'm taking on Anavisto. Champions take on champions, Sam. That's what we do. And uh, I'm Anavisto, funnily enough. it No, absolutely not. I know you get serious when you bust out the rhyming slang as well. I can hear that passion in your voice. <laughs> oh, mate, I, well, I've just, had, I've just uh, pre-recorded a show just earlier, and I've had an argument with a bloke on this horse for about 20 minutes. I can hear so, it. You take it yeah, personally. Yeah, I did. Well... <laughs> I just I can't understand why this horse is it'll shorten to it'll start about four dollars now one at Flemington it beat wrote to Arataki I mean I thought we we're in this me. together at SEN I mean you've turned nah, on one nah, of your nah. own here we're all in the I'm one not stable. on 
I'm about making money, right? Now, if... You look, could have let it, us down gently. You've bloody brought a, out the... It's, it's a chance to win, but by no means is that a bet. No means at all. It's drawn 16, the car park, one from four second up. One from four, unplaced at the trip, never been to the track, running the other way. No way. Well, no he- way. Heaven help you if it does. Oh, if, if it, it wins, I'm, I'm cooked now, aren't <laughs> you I? You are done. I'm absolutely you cooked. Absolutely. You'll be roasted uh, come oh, next week. <laughs> dragged in there by the wisp and given more than 360 <laughs> feedback, I can assure you. Uh, the sky-high stakes sees a big field of stayers <laughs> engaged there. King Frankel, the popular elect. Oh, uh, he is. Uh, we're going to go with the German here in uh, protagonist, um, uh, the yes. one from overseas. Yes. Um, been running in England. Uh this horse is probably the best horse in the race. I know we go first up here. He's only won one from four in this, but it's not a great race. King Frankel's too short. Um, other chances in here. Look, maybe no compromise at a price. Uh, a horse like Allegron, even at 31s, can win this. And Sunshine Rising at $6. Wide, wide open. Probably lean towards protagonist. Happy to probably risk the favourite in King Frankel. All right. Finally, the Farlap Stakes, of course, for the three-year-olds. Very short price favourite there. But are you with Zugotcha? Well, you can't chop at a dollar sixty with Zoo Gotcha. That's dead set ridiculous. Uh, five earn at twelve dollars and two sixty. The place looks a good bet at two sixty. The place Daytona not the worst at thirty four dollars. And Call Die or Call D. It's probably the best bred horse running around in the country at the moment. By Frankel out of Samantha Miss, mm. three year old filly wasn't the worst at Sandown either. In behind Shuffle Dancer, which is a favourite at Flemington on Saturday anyway. I know Zoo Gotch is probably the best horse, but gee whiz, sixty. If you're taking that, call 1-800-858-858. Gee whiz, I tell you what, you're in good form at the moment. You're taking no prisoners, so heaven help us for Fitzy's form lounge. It's up from midday. You're in sort of Tony Harrison-style sledging territory here at the moment. Uh, you, you're going magnificently, so we wish you well for Fitzy's form lounge and the weekend, Milo, and, and I've written it down, private eye, an absolute certainty. I, to place. Yes. And uh, if I knew who Tony Harrison was, Sam, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation about that, but I'll take it as a compliment. No, take it as a compliment. He's about to fight Tim Zhu up in Sydney on Sunday night uh, for that uh, interim uh, WBO title, and he's uh, delivered a merciless sledge game. Uh, calls it as he sees it, as does <laughs> Miles Fitzner. Great to have you on, mate. Have a great weekend. Hey, always love chatting to you, buddy. We'll chat you soon. Uh, see you soon. That will be a big weekend over there in Adelaide with the Tagster coming into town uh, over there with a hit-and-run mission. Uh, uh, for the Adelaide Cup, of course, always great to have Miles on, and we'll have him, as he said, in the studio this time next week. I love it. Family owned and operated since 1989. Statetransport.com.au. The Captain's Run with Sam Edmund. Welcome back. It's the Captain's Run. Sam Edmund with you. We are here until midday today, and then Dwayne Russell's going to take over the pipe, an abbreviated version of Dwayne's world, given the cricket is upon us today as well. So we'll be going live to India at 2.30. Of course, live and exclusive ball-by-ball coverage from Ahmedabad here. The fourth test, second day. Australia in a very good position, um, comparatively speaking, how the last three tests have unfolded. Four for 255, a rather serene day at the crease yesterday. I've got to say, uh, Tim Zoo and Tony Harrison are having their final press conference. It's taking place outdoors at the moment. Tim Zoo's rocked up in a very sharp-looking suit. He's got the handkerchief out of the pocket. 
Tony Harrison has rocked up topless. He doesn't have, he doesn't have a shirt on. Uh, it's an outdoor press conference which tells you everything you need to know about the bravado of the man. Um, but changing back to footy, what a career our next guest had. By his own admission, he didn't think he was any good coming through. He turned out to be very good. 325 games at the Pies and GWS, a flag, dual All-Australian spots, uh, best and fairest, the list goes on. And Heath Shaw is with us this morning. He's an influencer these days as a KFC super coach ambassador. G'day, Heath. Thanks for your time. G'day, mate. Thanks for having me on. Any super coach trophies in the cabinet just while we're on the resumes? I mean, you're ambassador, of course, and part of the reason you're on the phone with us today. Done any fantasy footy damage? Uh, no. Um, to be honest, um, I'm not too bad at Supercoach, but I wouldn't say like I'm a full-on expert. So I've definitely um, gone off-site and got some more advice this year um, yes. on on Supercoach and my Supercoach team. Um, you, you learn pretty quickly. You got to you got to be you got to stick to what you know. Um, let the baker bake the bread. And there's a few mates of mine that have finished like in the top 1,000. Um, of Supercoach, so I've definitely hit them up this year and a um, bit of advice. I bet the cobblers cobblers, Ross Lyon would say. We'll come back to that. Well, what are you doing? Are you playing locally this year? I know it was East Keylor last year, wasn't he? Playing footy this year? Yeah, mate. 37 years young and still um, chasing around that, that red footy. Um, yeah, I'll get back for my third year at East Keylor. Uh, we finished fifth last year, so um, hopefully we can we can sneak into the finals and then and potentially do some damage there. But um, pre-seasons are a lot easier, I'd say, than um, than than the AFL when I was playing AFL, especially when you you don't have to rock up every day. You, you covered any K's in the pre-season? Can I ask? I have. I've been. Oh, okay. I've actually shown up a fair bit, mate. Um, oh. But I was a bit hesitant on Wednesday because it was a bit windy and the rain was coming, and I was sort of driving towards <laughs> towards Kill <laughs> on my. What am I doing? That's that's the times when you think, why am I still playing footy at 37 yeah. years old? Yeah, I don't blame you there. So you spent nearly half of your career at GWS. You saw that team grow into a contender. You played some big finals, grand finals. So a different club now with, with Leon Cameron gone and obviously Adam Kingsley in charge. What what have you observed from afar, Heath? I mean, the captaincy change from three to one was obviously significant. Yeah, no, I was, I was always a big fan of just having um, – one captain. Um, I think it's it's a, it's the right it's the right move. Um, it's like when you've got two kids, um, you obviously like one better than the other one. So um, for me, having having Toby as the captain is is the right choice. The other two are still going to um, lead by example, and Josh Kelly and, and obviously Cogs. And I'm still mates with a fair few of those boys. Mm. And um, I think it's everyone talks about sort of the honeymoon period when you get a new coach. Um, you still got to learn a new new game style. Um, and I think they're not naive to the fact that it's going to take a little bit for that game style to kick in. Um, you saw, obviously, Collingwood last year, um, obviously overachieved on what they did for the, for the whole year. But the Giants have still got the talent. They've still got the quality of players. Um, like I said, new game style, new coach. Um, I think they'll, they'll do some damage this year, maybe just miss the eight, um, but they'll definitely win some games. Just on the captaincy, Heath, do you, do you suspect they might have been a bit delicate in telling Cornelio and Kelly, you know, thanks but no thanks? I mean, how would they have taken it, those two? Um, no, I think they're like they're, they're mature guys, um, and and they sort of understand it. And to be honest, if you if you're voting, and from the outside looking in, everyone thought that Toby's going to be a great captain, and he he does sort of lead from the front. And and when he's playing well, and when he's leading, people jump on. So that's sort of what you want. Um, he's obviously got um, he is a bit of a scallywag, and and he and he does has has had his incidents in the past, but. When he's playing football, everyone wants to watch him, and and, he, and he, when he's at his best, he's, he's hard to stop. So I think there was the right choice, and like I said, those two guys are still going to be leaders of that club 
um, and they're both vice captains of the club. So I don't think they would have taken that to heart. Um, the fact there's one instead of three is, is, is a great move, and, and I think that um, altogether they'll work really well. It was obvious watching the Giants last year that he was a captain in waiting the way he led the side. But back in your playing days there, could you have ever imagined that he would have ascended to the captaincy? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he obviously was. he's always a gun player. He's always been a gun player. Um, the leadership part, I think he's grown into into that role. So it, it's great to see and great to see someone like that. Not not necessarily prove people wrong, but take it to a next level. And, and, and he's going to be a captain there that everyone will follow, like I said, and that they'll jump on board with him. So um, it's a great move. And Toby's matured as a, as a player and as a person. And, and I think that the captaincy is something that he wouldn't have thought he would be either back in the day. But now he, he take it with, with both hands and, and accept it and, and accept that responsibility. Speaking of former Collingwood Premiership player, GWS star as well, Heath Shaw. Heath, just on the subject of pre-season again for a moment, it was a, a different one up there at the Giants this year with Adam Kingsley coming in. I'm not sure if you're aware, but they actually had an exercise where they asked the players to separate a kilo of brown rice from white rice, which the players spent hours and hours doing. How do you reckon you would have gone with that? Yeah, that's when you delegate. Um, <laughs> let someone else let someone else do that sort of work, and I probably would have been sitting in the background, um, barking instructions and telling people to hurry up rather than do it myself. Um, that's what all good leaders do. You know that. Fair enough, too. You once said playing AFL footy was one thing, but playing for Collingwood was another thing. I mean, what do you remember from your time at Collingwood? I mean, what do you always come back to? What memory do you suspect will stand the test of time when you think back? Is there one or two that? Uh, uh, readily, more readily come to mind than others? Um, I just think, like, obviously playing AFL was great, like I said, but then you play for the biggest club or one of the biggest clubs in the land. And, and this, it's just a supporter, supporter base behind it. And it's a bit, it's not really an on-field um, story, but uh, more of an off-field one. I've, I was 21 and I was in Hawaii with my girlfriend and was walking down the street. Mm. Um, and there's this couple walking towards us and I sort of caught his eye and he looked at me and you sort of sort of make eye contact and nod your head and keep walking. And then as I got about 10 metres past, he, he yelled out my name and then pointed to his to his calf where he had this big Collingwood tattoo on his calf. Um, and I was like, you can find Collingwood supporter anywhere in the world. Um, and that's the thing. They're so, they're so passionate about the club. Um, and they pop up everywhere. And it's like you either know someone who's a mad Collingwood supporter or you know a mad Collingwood supporter because there's no such thing as a normal Collingwood supporter. So having having that support behind you uh, week in, week out is huge. And, and a packed MCG um, with the Collingwood faithful is, is always is always a great great thing. And then playing in front of that crowd each week is amazing. Just quickly on this subject, uh, not trying to embarrass you here, how often do you get stopped in the street or yelled at from across the other side of the street about the smother in the grand final? Yeah, it's it's funny because Collingwood supporters love it, and like obviously if you if you're a Collingwood man, Carl, Carlton hate you, Essendon hate you, all of the above. But I think there's there's like a genuine hatred of St Kilda people for me, just purely uh, because of that smother. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they dislike me as a player just because I played for Collingwood, but because of that smother, St Kilda people like genuinely like in a nice way say, I really hate you because of that moment, um, and it's sort of impacted obviously. The, the St Kilda faithful, but um, obviously the Collingwood people love it as well. So it's 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 a bit embarrassing that I'm going to be remembered for for a smother, but 
um, I'll take it because we won the we won the game. No, it was a pretty bloody good one. And there's a few St Kilda supporters in here nodding their heads in agreement with what you just had to say there as well. Hey, um, Super Coach, I need to ask you, who do you like this year? I mean, it's all about the cash cows in Super Coach, isn't it? You got to get them cheap, you got to fatten them up, and then you got to you got to sell them high. You got to nail all your picks, but especially those bargain picks early. Now everyone's going to go for Will Ashcroft because he's a steal and he's a certainty to play. Um, Sava Radigali is getting some love too as a defender without Jack Henry. I think Ben King will have some quiet games, but he's cheap as well coming back from a knee. So, what sage pieces of advice have you got for us when it comes to Super Coach Twenty Twenty Three? Yeah, like I said, I've got a bit of advice from from people who are actually good at it, um, <laughs> unlike me. So. Um, one of my mates, he said, you've got to, like, if you've got, obviously, you've got six players um, on the ground in the back line. He said, get three premiums, and then, like he said, the three yep. sort of rookies or cash cows that you know will play. So, like, for me, a couple of the cash cows, like Ashcroft, will, everyone will have. I think Mackenzie from Hawthorne um, in the midfield, everyone will have. Um, I like a bit of inside information from my brother up on the Gold Coast, Sam Flanders. Um, oh, yeah. He's had a really good preseason. He's, he's 250-odd grand. Um, but I think he'll play and, and he'll get a lot of the ball. So he's a bit of a cash cow. And then a couple of old teammates of mine as well, um, Taranto, um, who I think will have, a, will have a massive year for the Tigers, but then throw in Hopper, who's only 300 grand. So, um, and he's a gun, um, genuine gun. And injuries aside, he, he'll, he'll have a big year. So there's, there's a bit going on. Um, Charlie Constable um, up in the Gold Coast as well. He's, a, he's had a good um, preseason mm. and I think he'll, he'll play. And then, Couple of guys. Well, one's come from come back from Ireland in, in Connor McKenna, who who's gone to a, a pretty elite outfit in Brisbane. Um, he's cheap as chips, and and we know what he can do um, with the ball up there. So, yeah, like I said, it's you've got to get your premiums in each area, whether it's three premiums um, or four in the midfield, and then and then get your cash cows. And like you said, hopefully after three weeks they're all playing, which is the one thing they're yep. all playing, but they're all getting a bit of the ball, and then. Um, you can get that price up and then you can cash them in a bit later on. The old guns and rookies approach. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, the captaincy coming to one captain. You, you've At the end of the day, you've got two kids. There's always a favourite. Someone's texting here uh, to ask, who was Ray's favourite? Um, well, there's well, there's obviously Reese and me and then my sister, who's who's um, in between us. So she's the middle child. She's definitely the favourite. Right. Close, followed by Reese, And then there's a long gap. And then <laughs> the black sheep of the family, me. So... Um, yeah, and with with grandkids and that now, so I'm way way down the pecking order. Right. That's for sure. And sliding and drifting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, it's great to chat to you, mate. Really appreciate it. A reminder: you can join AFL Supercoach. Visit www.supercoach.com.au. Uh, sign up before the season starts, of course. Thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me on. He's sure there, AFL superstar. He was at the Pies and also at the Giants.